It's gonna take more than a wish upon a star for the white community to dismantle white supremacy. Willkommen to mashed potatoes with Meredith and Ashley. (laughs) Just a couple of white ass potatoes trying to unlearn some harmful shit. I wasn't supposed to say your name, sorry. I got ahead of myself. (laughs) I liked it, honestly. Okay, so welcome to our third episode. We're calling this one, Let's Get to Work. Yes. So first, before we get into all the work, we wanted to follow up on last episode about some very highly sought after prizes. So first and foremost, congratulations to Amy, Stella, and Mandy. You are going to be the new proud owners of a handmade autographed recipe card from yours truly. And when I say yours truly, I mean, Meredith and I have made the cards, but we got the recipe from a local chef and brother-in-law of the pod, Aaron Means. You guys so are gonna you know it's a legit. Yeah, it's legit. And you guys are, I mean, you're, they're going to freak out. They're going to freak Once out. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, these cards are be cute. So get out of town. I know. It's really exciting. Um, so yeah, I guess we want to encourage everyone to keep supporting the Navajo and Hopi families and keep tagging us. We know that you can't always donate or share or on a certain on a certain time schedule. So anytime you do it, just um, keep tagging us. Uh, or if tagging and Instagram is not your thing, uh, you can always email us at mashedpotatoespod at gmail.com. That is M-A-S-H potatoes pod at gmail.com don't forget Um, we spell it incorrectly on purpose (laughs) (laughs) never forget um so ashley yeah how's it going woo girl it is going i suppose i mean what a weird time to be alive it i'm making it through the day but you know yeah it's hard yeah how about you how are you doing bad oh yeah <laughs> god damn it oh I know no not everything's bad of course but it's just yeah I guess it's been just so much has happened it's like you know mm-hmm. when with per- between personal life and obviously I can't complain but everyone feels the same just between personal life and pressure from work to go into the office for no oh my reason. god mm-hmm. and um yeah, everything that's happened that we're about to get into. Um, these, yeah, the last few weeks have been kind of tough. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Yeah, I feel like they've been really tough. And it's just a weird combination of like, not having everything that we usually rely on to cope. And yeah. is that necessarily a bad thing right now? I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to say, but <clears throat> it's definitely a struggle one way that's or the other. True. And I feel like it was hard, even like when we were trying to talk through how we wanted to have this episode after so many things um, happening. I mean, even that was hard to kind of picture. And to be clear, I love doing this podcast with you. I know, right? Like we've actually talked and tried to record several times. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like 
open, you know, to yes. everybody. Um, and it's not, yeah, it's not for not wanting that, um, yep. that we're doing it today, but we really did have to wait in a way for the, not wait, but we had to, yeah, sift through a lot of shit in our own lives and mm-hmm. then also figure out the, you know, a good way to talk about everything. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like so much of it is about, which I think we'll, we'll continue to work on, is kind of finding where our place is in this conversation as two white broads, <clears throat> you know, and trying to sort through how to be continuously doing the hard work and also not um, assuming that we have some inherent knowledge that we're just trying to work through it also, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but I have been really thankful for the few times that we did talk. Well, you know, again. And attempted to record. Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it actually, it's just really just helpful to talk about, to talk about shit out loud. And um, yes, even if it's really hard, so. Yes. Yeah, but I'm really glad that we're doing this now. Me too. Me too, me too. So I think um, that it's time to get into some hot potatoes. You can start to dismantle from where you are. Oh, yeah, it is. These hot potatoes, well, I don't really know how to describe them, so we'll just get into it, yeah? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, First of all, um, so a couple weeks ago, as everyone knows, um, we lost the great Chadwick Boseman, and it's just really upsetting for for so many Mm -hmm. reasons. Um, the fact that he was fighting colon cancer, which to my knowledge, most people, I'm sure the people closest to him knew, obviously, but most, it wasn't public knowledge as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. He was fighting that just while breaking barriers of, of representation in yes. Hollywood. And really, I mean, as far as I can tell, the way that people talk about him, he wasn't just a great actor or someone doing, you know, someone like, just a, a black man playing great roles in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Like he was a really good person as far as I can tell. Yeah. Oh my God. The so, impact he has or had is incredible. Yeah. 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 Huge impact. Definitely. So I guess it's just really, it's always, it's just really hard to see someone like that go. And so be so young. Was yes. Three or 43. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, that's like, basically our age and you know like I don't know it, it's not like it doesn't matter how old or young they are really but just some it, it, I guess it was just so unexpected and I guess yeah. if um yeah if we feel the loss I know that there are a lot of people taking it way harder because he represented he was so, he meant so much to a lot of black people and yep. obviously I can't speak for people but just hearing how people talk about him over the yeah. last couple of weeks it's really obvious that he was just really loved. Totally. And I think that like the loss in the midst of everything that we are witnessing and pushing for and this movement for black lives right now, having that happen, I just, it's gut wrenching. It's so awful. Yeah, I agree. I saw, so I saw a lot of people taking, not a lot, but several people, you know, taking time off of social media and just saying mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. dude I gotta rest I have to take care yeah. of yeah so I'm glad that people 
did that, you know. But, Absolutely. Um, well, and then, you know, the another um, issue that, you know, right before the loss of Chadwick, actually, we have the shooting of Jacob Blake. And so I'm assuming everyone knows kind of what happened, but just to be clear, um, it's it looks like <clears throat> Jacob was breaking up a fight between two white women, um, cops, kind of inexplicably, as far as I understand, um, point, like decide that he's the problem, want him, like start yelling directives at him and shoot him in the back at point blank range seven times. Mm -hmm. um, right in front of his car where his three sons were. And his sons were between the ages of three and eight, I believe. Um, and they were in the car while this was all happening. And, and, you know, thankfully since then he's regained consciousness. Um, I believe he's still in the ICU. He's been having, like, he's made some videos for people from his hospital bed, which I think, um, are hugely profound and really important. Um, he was cuffed to his hospital bed for a while, even though he wasn't able to move. He's still paralyzed, I believe, from the waist down. Um, so, yeah. And I don't think he's cuffed anymore, but like for that to be while he was unconscious, he was still cuffed to a bed is just an important piece of how we treat people. I think so too, even if that's protocol or whatever, it's yeah. just still fucked up. Yeah, it's like, it's still not being a human first. Yeah, it yeah. Does, and also, especially since he was completely the victim and he wasn't yes. doing anything to be shot. And yes. I mean, there's never any explanation to be shot that many times when blank. And, but yeah, I think that makes it even, I found that really intense when I saw that he was cuffed to his, his hospital bed while yep. he was, unconscious exactly exactly it's awful yeah um awful. so a couple of days after the attempted murder of jacob blake um teen gunman kyle rittenhouse shot three mm. protesters at kenosha wisconsin protests that were for jacob blake mm -hmm. um, he killed two people anthony m huber and joseph rosenbaum and one more person was injured uh, Gray Gage Grosskreutz, who was shot in the arm. Yes. Uh, so this 17-year-old was given a gun by his mother, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an AR-15 style rifle, mm -hmm. which she helped, which she gave to him and then mm -hmm. illegally transported him over state lines to these protests. So it was very intentional. It was... There's, I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? Like there's Absolutely. No, it wasn't just like someone in the neighborhood, you know, not that that would be okay either, but it was no. very intentional. Absolutely. Like armed himself to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And then, you know, it's so, I, mean, I don't want to like go through these so quickly, but I feel like they're really important things to be talking about um, right now. Because just between when we started to discuss how we wanted to talk about Jacob Blake, then we learned about Daniel Prude, who <clears throat> he was murdered at the hands of police officers. It seems like he was experiencing a mental health crisis of some kind. And cops uh, put a sock or a hood or something. I forget yeah. what it was called. It sock. Yeah. Um, they put, he died of, of suffocation after they had put that over his head. 
Um, and the crazy part is that this happened, I mean, there's so much to say, uh, but this happened in March and we're just now, I would say as like a, a broader community learning about it. Um, and so there's talk of a potential police cover up. Um, we don't know for sure, but we do know that his case has gone to grand jury, which is something, but obviously something to keep an eye out on. Yeah. And then um, Dion K. Yeah. Only 18. He was shot by police in D.C. last week. Um, Ugh. And for him, there's, there's body cam footage that shows Dion running towards the cop but, and holding a gun but throwing it away right as he was fatally mm -hmm. shot by Officer Alexander Alvarez. Yeah. And the gun was found um, almost 100 feet away from where his body was. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, we're going to. We'll get into get all into that, but. but it, anyway, it's hard to just talk about the, de it, it's hard to just talk about what happened. But I'm, mm -hmm. anyway, I'm glad we are, you know, we have to. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not that people listening don't know or that. Anyway, it's just important to talk about these people. Absolutely. And I think that when there's, when there's so much happening and there's so much um, grief and loss and injustice happening, it just can feel so big that you're like, where do we, at least I would say the two of us were like, where do we even start? Like, what do you even, how do you even start diving into this when they're, is literally hundreds of years of this and and white people being complicit in it and how do we start that conversation knowing that white people need to be having a conversation yeah it is really tough um but again i'm glad we're doing this because Me too. It, it's it's stuff that's really hard to talk about but then as we were talking about all this i mean we it kind of naturally led us to the fact that they're i mean by this mm -hmm. point, it's pretty much a fact that there are two criminal justice systems Absolutely. in the United States. I can't speak for every country, but you know, when we when it comes to the states, it's very obviously uh, people get treated differently depending on um, who they are and what they look like. So, Absolutely. Um, these two cases, the the I mean, so sorry, the case the cases of Jacob Blake and Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. I mean, everyone, all of the, all of these men that were shot and killed or, or paralyzed as Jacob Blake was, um, but compared to Kyle Rittenhouse, the white 17 year old, they just, it just poignantly highlights the yes. two different criminal justice systems that exist. Yes. I think that there, I think you're exactly right. Like it's, these are two cases that happened. They're interlinked and they are, they literally are interfacing with the exact same police department, the exact same people. And having such extreme like disconnect, oh. such a different response, such a different level of um, respect for human beings mm -hmm. um, that you like you can't deny any of that. I think that like so much of it, so you know it highlights such a system sanctioned violence, like how we how we allow system sanctioned violence to happen. And I think that it, it has to, I hope at this point in the year of our Lord 2020, I hope that people can be like, oh, maybe this has something to do with the history of police violence 
and how we utilize police to protect white supremacy. You know, that there's this lack of accountability for cops um, and like, and even the protection of cops that kill black people. There's so it's, much protection. Against there's them. so much protection. There's so much, there's systematically, there are all of these policies and, and bullshit that like get in the way of anyone being held accountable for yeah. these awful, egregious acts of violence. And I think that, that it's like, it's the same every time this happens, every life that is lost, you see the same shit, you see the same excuses that are non-excuses, that are not real, the whataboutisms, you know, the like, um, like, well, what if he had listened to the cops? What if he had, you know, whatever, when we know that it's, that it's, that's not the issue, the issue is this like perpetually black people are dying at the hands of police officers in a way that white people are not. And yeah. that's what matters. Um, so, and we know that cops are like the whole idea of police force originated from keeping black people enslaved. They were ensuring human trafficking mm -hmm. and, and that has, it has, barely made any kind of movement from that original place people might think oh that was so long ago but just that's if that's the foundation for yeah. an entire system and yeah. there hasn't been much there hasn't really been restructuring or or yeah basically the i mean or just I, like an even a reimagination of what police could be doing or should be doing yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the whole system is just structured to, structured to keep black people enslaved and their, and murders by white people justified. Yes. Or even glorified. So, I yes. mean, that's, it, all you really have to do is kind of Google that, you know, so I, I'm not maybe the best person to talk about that right now, but we will prepare a better episode about it. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, these are just kind of facts. So absolutely. One thing about all of these, all of these interactions is like, who is in charge of de-escalation here? You yeah. know, who is in charge of, from, from, what we've been taught, I would say as white people, is that, you know, cops are there to keep everyone safe, to de-escalate situations, um, to like limit the violence that could happen in the absence of cops. Yeah, they're what, supposed to protect people, right? Yes. Like, and and what we see all the time is that this idea that like, people who are being pulled over, people that are being targeted, people that are being racially profiled, all of these people are supposed to be somehow magically, even though their lives are at risk, yeah. are supposed to be in charge of de-escalating the cops. Yeah, like Jacob Blake was supposed to, in the middle of like breaking up a fight between mm -hmm. two, two white women, he was supposed to also remain really calm Yes. Not, not like you can't even turn, if you can't turn your back on a cop, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. You're yes. not supposed to turn your back. So the fact that he's blamed for this, mm -hmm. but meanwhile, like cop, it's just so obvious. Now we have so, so many situations where 
cops clearly got, they were the ones that were emotionally charged. Yes. Meanwhile, people with guns in their faces or backs yes. or being yelled at or have you ever had a gun? I don't know if anyone in there listening has ever had a gun pointed at them. You don't, you're not even thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not even, you're not supposed to think the person holding the gun is completely in charge. Yes. And even if like in the case, maybe this is just going off on a tangent, but even if Dion K did have a gun when they saw him, mm -hmm. the cops are still supposed to be in charge. Yes. So, I mean, anyone yes. who thinks that they would act normal and calm in these situations, like, I don't hope you're in this situation, but I kind of do actually, yeah. you know? It no, just, because I think when it's theoretical, people get to do all of their bullshit, devil's advocate, whataboutism bullshit. When in the reality is when you're in the situation, things are different. Yeah. And why is it so different when, you know, why is it so different? The, you know, the chaos surrounding Jacob Blake and then the calmness with Kyle yes. Rittenhouse. Why yes. is it so different? Why? Yes. Kyle Rittenhouse had gun. He had his gun showing. He had just murdered people. He had, he had just, just killed two people and injured one. And people were telling the cops, like, screaming. But yet there, was, there didn't seem to be like chaos surrounding it. But when it comes to, this is just my observations of, you know, many times reading the news and seeing horrible videos that it's the cops when they get around black people, they freak out. Yep. Yep. I don't mean to generalize, but that's, yep. like, isn't that kind of what happens? Exactly. Exactly. But I think that, you know, I think that that leads to also this big, like when you're thinking about cops freaking out about, about when a black person is involved. Mm -hmm. And all of the pieces that, that lead to such awful discrimination and, and, you know, violence. Mm -hmm. I think that a huge piece of what, of that is how we talk about this, how we, yeah. how we like, how we discuss when these things happen as a, as like a culture, you yeah. know, not like you and I, but like as a culture. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that too, because you just see you never it, it never fails like you just see when a when a black man is shot they search for a criminal mm -hmm. record mm -hmm. and when a white person does something horrific they talk about potential positive history or having mental health problems yeah like describing them as like a loner that was troubled or whatever rather than someone who's radicalized by the white supremacy that's like in our culture everywhere yeah, and mm -hmm. who's being, I mean, I don't know if you saw that the, the Kenosha or the police union was basically putting a smear campaign out against Jacob Blake. I mean, look it up because I'm not totally yeah, sure. Yeah, But meanwhile, I, I mean, I also saw, you know, just on normal, your average news outlet, people not necessarily talking that bad about Kyle Rittenhouse. That's what I'm saying. Well, and also like that is related to that uh, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend was offered a plea deal if he said falsely that Breonna Taylor was involved in some like drug thing 
So that like somehow after the fact, they want to justify that they let someone should die for that. Yeah. When we know that they didn't know that. Go- well, it's not true, but they know that we know that they didn't go in thinking that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like all of these, all of these ways that we somehow, you know, whether it's stealing cigarellos or selling single cigarettes or doing any of those things that somehow that's justifying ending someone's life. And that like, it's always searching for the worst thing they've ever done. And then I agree with you, like the, the language around Kyle Rittenhouse, the like general discourse, it's the fact that he's not labeled a terrorist. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that like all of those pieces are, it's just so slanted and it continues still. Yeah. Um, and somehow it's, it's about like the worth of a person's life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which essentially it's really hard for people to admit, but I mean, it's just pretty obvious that, so, yeah, that a lot I, of, that white lives are valued over exactly our people of color and that's just fucking insane it's so oh my god well and i think that like it also goes back to kind of what we talked about with the what about isms right where like especially in the case of jacob blake that people want to be like oh he should have just complied with the cops oh he should have what about if he would have done this if he would have done that but that is we have so many situations to look to in which that did not save anyone's life Calandro Castile for one, Breonna Taylor, as we've already discussed. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. I could go forever, but it's not about what people did or did not do in the face of cop direction. It's Mm -hmm. that police are not supposed to kill people. Yeah. That's actually not in their job description. They're supposed to de-escalate and serve and protect. Yeah. Just regardless of the situation. Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to murder and everyone has the right to due process. Yes. I don't know if anyone has, you know, if anyone recalls that, yeah. but it's, it's just not up to individual police force members to decide if someone is guilty on the spot. And anyway, I don't even think they are deciding they're guilty. I think they're just doing what they feel like doing in yep. that moment and, yep. and acting impulsively. Like it's because they don't have consequences. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's also a huge piece. I will say um, part of why we choose like on this podcast to not talk about what led to police getting involved or, you know, what the, you know, like um, the circumstances, the details around it, because it doesn't actually matter. Like this, whoever it could, whoever was in this situation could have just done something like Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm which they did not to be clear, but if that were the case, they should still be alive and they should still be exercising their right to due process. And I just, it's, it's so, it's just fucked up. Yeah. And finding out later, like, I I don't, I don't need to find out that anyone has um, a warrant out for that they were involved with these people or, or, you know, involved with like, the a gang or something which is right something else we'll get into in a second um it's i don't i don't think i just don't feel those details are important i don't feel i think what's most important is that people are being murdered yes and we 
need to say it for what it is. Exactly. Which I think brings us to like a huge piece of this also, which is the language that we use when we're talking about these situations, yeah. you know, to be mindful of what we're consuming language wise, but also what we're repeating. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought of that because also because they talked about um, this white, the Kyle Rittenhouse, the, the white teenager, like having militia affiliations, which first of all, what 17 year old, I, I don't know much about the militia, sorry, but I, I anyway, they're talking about yes. him having militia affiliations when they talk about white kids, yep. but gangs when someone is black or brown. Yes. And, you know, but if white people are going around threatening and killing people with guns, that's a gang, right? Yes. Like, that's a, actually a terrorist group, if you yeah, ask me. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's agreed. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yet they're not assumed dangerous. The cops yes. right, right past them. They have people pointing at them, yelling at them, um, holding guns and the, you know, they just, they, they're not assumed to be dangerous and they're actually praised and thanked. I saw a video of, of people riding past, um, Kyle Rittenhouse and, you know, thanking him for protecting property. Oh my God. Sick. Upholding law and order. Oh my God. That whole thing too is so the way that we weaponize language and like how you can talk about law and order regarding his actions when he straight up murdered people and, and get like, here's something else that's actually against the fucking law. So like, the fact that we can we can just decide what law and what laws and what order are worth our praise and yeah. and then um decide which ones are just like oh but that one that particular one is like also not okay yeah like somehow it's okay because this white kid didn't have any i don't know did he have a criminal record Probably not because he was a child i was gonna say i don't know that we would know I know, and also, right? seventeen-year-olds are sneaky as shit. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Like yeah, you probably yeah. you sure should have a, a criminal record. Exactly. Probably, like, any of us did when we were any of us should have when we were seventeen. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that no one—it—it's just—it's—it really—it's it, really imbalanced. I—I I feel like the yeah. way that people—they put people put so much effort into finding out a black person was bad. Yeah. Before got shot and they somehow did but it's nothing that anyone ever did no they weren't murdering people like this white kid was this is what i'm saying and i think that like trevor noah did a pretty good um uh, segment on it around like everyone being like oh he was protecting property and trevor yeah. noah was like he doesn't give a fuck about that tj maxx or whatever he said like yeah, really like this like kid that. is out this kid is out to cause damage yeah and he leaves with his life. He leaves that situation with his life protected. Yeah. It's just awful. And yeah, and and we don't know. Wait, do we know yet? I don't know if his like sentencing. I don't think we know. I, I don't personally know yet. I just, I'm just not, I'm not holding my hopes up for it. Not to be like totally negative Nancy, but I'm just not like holding up any hope that he would be held as responsible. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I, we know um, he won't. Yeah. Like how do you, how, like p black people are just charged more and serve longer mm -hmm. sentences than white people are for the same crimes. Like this yep. is 
again, it's easy to look up. Um, and there's just a huge race and class bias yep. in the jail system and the bail system because mm -hmm. people, people get stuck in jail because it can be a matter of hundreds of dollars that they, that keeps an innocent person in prison for years. Years. So, I mean, when it comes to like sentencing and people's likeliness of, of how long they're going to serve, it's just statistically black and brown people serve longer jail sentences than white people who did much worse crimes. The same Absolutely. Crime. Yep. And I think that that's a huge part of um, also like linking back to when there's an encounter with a police officer. Mm -hmm there is a, such a long narrative, a long story of, of what happens to black and brown people yeah. when these, when these confrontations happen. It, anyway, it's just huge. Yeah. 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 I know there's so much to get into. That's why this was such a hard, this is, it's just, it's not, yeah, it's not just that it's hard to talk about, but there's just so much yes um, but it is you know it's a really it's an uncomfortable subject that we have to confront and i'm yep. glad, really happy we are mm -hmm. and you know just talking about systemic racial injustice openly and talking about the fucked up systems in our country is something we can do now to show that we we just we stand for the dismantling and restructuring of the u.s legal system absolutely there's no way around it Absolutely. And I think that when you're looking, you like want to hold this big picture of like what we want, right? The change that we want to have. And then I think when you're thinking about just you as a person, you can start to feel so helpless. Yeah. And, and we're like, really, really, we're not, especially as white people, we are not helpless at all. And I think that like that feeling of overwhelm, that feeling of being exhausted, that feeling of like, oh, well, it's just me. What can I do? Like that's, supposed to be there that's part of the system they want that's like the too, right like yes. we're supposed to yeah yeah that's what it feels like we're it supposed just, to be like oh this is just how things are so how would we ever do anything different when the reality is like it can be a lot different yeah yeah i mean i it's true that we i've spent so much time feeling helpless but mm -hmm. you know, i used to not say anything or you know when i just remember just over the years when um, over the years when black people have been shot and you know you I, I just felt completely helpless like I didn't even know if it was my place to speak up so I mean I would talk to you about it or talk mm -hmm. to a couple people about it mm -hmm. but I mean admittedly I used to pretty much not say much yeah um, but you know the heartbreak that we feel like imagine feeling that and then feeling like no one else cared. Right. So yes. I can't never, I could never ever speak for any person of color, any black person or a person of color. But I, I don't you kind of put yourself in that position in a way where you're like so upset and distraught and your own life, your life is at risk every day. And just to yes. feel like who cares. I mean, that's just horrible. So I'm, I'm, yeah, there is a lot, there is actually a lot we can do. Yep. And I a lot of us do care and we just have to find ways to show it and keep showing yeah, it and keep doing it. I think that's exactly it. I think that also it's a, a really good time to talk just for a hot minute about 
performative allyship because I think that that's also something that's been been going around a lot. Um, because I think like you were saying, like that struggle is like, how do you, how do you make real moves, show that you really care, and then also not be in this cycle of just doing it to feel better, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or to look a certain way or to, you know what I mean? Like, um, because to me, performative allyship is like a cousin of white saviorism. White mm -hmm. saviorism being that like, you're involved in these movements or you're doing something that makes you feel like you've like really done the good, the Lord's work, but it's not actually about the actual movement. It's about making you feel better. Yeah. And so I think also I'm saying all of this as someone who has done these things, who oh has God. been like, yeah. I want to do this because I don't want to feel like a bad white person. Yeah, totally. Even if you think you have a good intention, it's probably not all the way there in the right place. And yes. I think I know that you and I have learned this in the hard way sometimes, but hard but necessary way. Yes. Um, of just, yeah, thinking you're doing the right thing, but kind of deep down, you, you kind of know. Yeah. And so how do we like, yeah, how do we get out of well, we're going to talk a ways to get out of like performative allyship, but I think we should talk about maybe examples of like yes. famous way, like, you know, well-known ways that this is. Yeah. Happening. Because I think that if we can have really good, solid examples of performative allyship and we know what it is, then we can be like clear with ourselves about not doing that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think, I think one of the easiest clear cut examples would be like when corporations all of a sudden start um making ads about like black lives matter but they don't yeah. like for instance like that they'll spend money on an ad for instance but not give that money to black led organizations that are working towards change for instance totally um, so yeah with that i you know anthropology got so much backlash i mean i'm not i haven't obviously i've only ever shopped there like once in my life <laughs> on the clearance rack, whatever, right. but like, um, they, they put up a, they put up a vague, not even clearly supporting Black Lives Matter, like illustration, flowery illustration oh, on, God. on their Instagram feed on their, on their, anyway, they, yeah, and they, um, just had so much backlash because people were like, is this coming from the company who has code names for Black customers oh my god like yes people that came out who like work work there or used to work there and saying yes. they, they have like code names to you know and like they have instructions basically to like follow black people around the stores and i'm glad <sighs> i'm so glad that came out because people yes. can't act like they're it's cool to spread the message but then what are you actually doing exactly and like what does this mean in your day-to-day -day work and how are you making a change in your own backyard and not just being like, yeah, what everybody else said. I yeah. think everybody seems to be on board. So I'm doing that too, but I don't really know what the hell it means. And, you know, it's yeah. just not, I mean, I also think one of my, um, like, I almost think it's funny, except that it's a woman's career at risk. I hope that this means that she's going to just like skyrocket in popularity because the, so obviously, so the lady, um, antebellum issue. So I'm we, 
I'm tr- it's not funny, but I, it just, I don't know what, it's so ridiculous. But white people are just so dumb about this. Like white people like have an opportunity to do something meaningful and they actually don't in yeah. this scenario. It's insane. So um, also, by the way, I had to, uh, Meredith looked up the, <laughs> the definition of antebellum for me because I'm like, what does that mean though? Like I know, like I have this idea, there's certain words that I like, have this idea about it being like about the South and maybe about like, like whatever, but antebellum is refers to the pre-Civil War era of economic growth on the backs of enslaved people. So a lot of times it's used as like a euphemism to glorify plantations and basically when white people had enslaved entire groups of people. Yeah, so, it's like those fe- those dre- those fluffy dresses and stupid hats, like that you yes, you know yes. that white people would wear during that time, and it's like, oh, it's so cute and quaint, but like, no, it's actually no. referring to just like times of slavery and right. Yeah. So so Lady Antebellum decides to change their name, and I'm like, okay, that fits. Yeah. And then about two days, and they're going to be Lady A. And then about, well, I don't know, 24, 40, I know, 48 hours later, maybe, come to find out a woman from Seattle has had a career of singing for, I think, three decades, if I remember right. Um, And she goes by the name Lady A. So I read that and I'm like, oh, well, then the band formerly known as Lady Antebellum will obviously see that they fucked up and they just have to pick a new name and they'll figure it out. And instead... They sue this black woman who has been in her singing career for 30 years for the use of that name. Sue her. They decided to do, they, they made that decision. Like they're supposed to be making a move. We're going to change our name. Why? We're going to work towards. Yes. Why? Just because just, and it's so clearly just because they, they want it to look good. Like, yep. Yep. I feel like that's the biggest example of performative, not the biggest, it's, but, it's but it's a really clear one. Yeah, yeah. It's a really clear example. And it, um, and if you're like, am I doing that lady antebellum thing? You're, and if you have to question it, then you're probably yeah. doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh my God. That's such a good, that's such a good gauge to go by. That's yeah. good. Am I, doing that? Am, I, am I lady antebelluming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that's turn good. it into a verb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually good because it's like, it's just such a, it's so obvious that their, their, their actions. So what is it? Like their actions didn't match their intentions. I don't even know how to say yeah, it. Like, I would almost say, and I don't know if this is right, but I would almost say that their motivations become clear yeah. when challenged, right? Yeah. That they're like, they make this decision. They're going to do this thing. They think it's going to look so good. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, hey, girl, actually, um, there's this other broad who's been doing this a long time, and her name's Lady A. And they're like, well, we still want to feel good. So yeah. we'll just sue this Black woman for the name. It's just like so misguided. But to me, it feels like then your motivation, you cannot deny that your motivation is to look a certain way, but not actually do the work of like, you know, for me, I was like, oh, this will be a great opportunity to promote a black woman's work and be yeah. like, oh my God, Lady A's already been around for so long. Here's her, you know, here's some work of hers. 
support her and we're going to be working on another name or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like if your, if your motivation truly was to do something good and like make changes and change yourself. Yep. And I mean, it, it just so it, that's it just clearly came out as like oh but she ruined our plan to look good <laughs> yeah to look and, good yes yes and like by the way they try and say like oh people call us lady a so it's really our like they're suing her for like using the name her name is anita her name actually starts with a oh my god oh my they're god. like so lady a like people probably call lady antebellum lady a because antebellum is probably they don't want to say that word right or they're embarrassed to your or it's just like a really long word so they call that it's a nickname it's not their actual name that they've had for decades yep yep exactly. um, can we talk about one more that oh my really god please do because it's one of my favorites it's one of my favorites in a way that i'm like white people cannot stop being so embarrassing <laughs> like the most embarrassing as if it's their job so please go for it okay so I don't know if all of y'all saw the Imagine, the famous people singing Imagine. Like it was what, about like um, uh. two hours after we had been put into, after like most of the world had been put in lockdown. Yeah, approximately yep. two hours. <laughs> yeah, approximately, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shortly, uh -huh. shortly after. Okay, it might've been a week, but still it was shortly after, you know, everyone started going to quarantine and, you know, all these famous people like so many and people that i like i know sense, i guess i don't know hashtag be your own hero yeah yeah seriously seriously be your own hero because everyone will disappoint you yes <laughs> and so all these people singing imagine and like they're not singers they're just famous people singing and there was no call to action there no. was no like charity it was supposed to be for like coronavirus something yes something. it was just related to staying at home and it doesn't even it's not even about like helping i guess it doesn't make it just made no sense why imagine right why, why no like cause afterwards why no connected action of any kind and also i think that it's i think that some of it that is that strikes me so funny um in a way that's like this isn't that funny but it makes me lol is that like the you watch this well i didn't watch it because i honestly just didn't have I fortitude i couldn't go through with it i couldn't go through with it oh my god but the idea of all of these famous people who could collectively actually make an impact on either systemic racism or um, coronavirus with all of their money but added together like billions of dollars from these rich people like that's what we need put your money where your mouth is you have exactly. it exactly like instead of like singing imagine sing to me oh, like i'm donating 20 million of my dollars exactly to help this cause like and even and people like also people love to defend like famous people so they're like, oh, but they did donate this and that. I'm like, I would, I would seriously rather, I don't know how people feel about this, but I would rather see on someone's Instagram, like a, a, a receipt. Yes. That they had donated. Yes. 
half of their money to yes. <laughs> what is what do people give to the church 10 percent or whatever oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know what while, I mean? but yeah yeah like, <laughs> like i would rather see that honestly than people singing me are you singing that song to me because right gross you. and also don't tell me to imagine yeah. you have the fucking resources do something yeah. i know yeah, and i feel like that's oh my god the more i think about it the more like off it's just so out of touch it's so funny imagine yeah. but like you're so right like we don't have to imagine making change like you could actually be you could do it i feel like that's the part that also makes me so angry is when people are like have all of the resources they possibly could have that i could never even dream of and they're like hmm what can we do about this big fucking <laughs> issue around systemic racism and i'm like give people money and reparations yeah. give people money uh, <laughs> Make it easier for people to vote. <laughs> Ugh. It's just like, it's like, do, there's so many things. There's so I many know. things. And then oh. meanwhile, I'm like, here's my $50. Exactly. Split between 75 charities. Exactly. It's just so infuriating. Uh, yeah. So that's our little detour into performative allyship. And we want to not do that, right? We don't want to yeah. be those people. And I think that like, you know, when we're talking about uh, Jacob Blake, his sister, Letitia Woodman, she, her speech, I hope that everyone has seen it because it's yeah. like, I just got goosebumps talking about it. Um, yeah. But she was speaking in front of the Lincoln Memorial and um, she was saying, you know, she's not sad, she's tired and she's angry. And I think that one of the things that we need to take from her speech or her, you know, talk about it all, she was like, I don't want your pity, I want your change. Which to yeah. me is like, yeah, let's enough of this, enough of seeing this stuff. We need to just be doing something. Yeah, of course, everyone, fe of course, we should feel, we should feel sad, but also angry and, and motivated. We believe humanity can come true with unlearning and action and reparations. We can see this. So that leads us to our, this week we're going to do an extended Off the Couch Potatoes. Yes. Talk about ways to ally effectively and genuinely. And yeah. how to avoid, I mean, I guess being an ally, it, you know, like we've talked about before, it's just, it's a never, it's it, the work, it's continuous work. And there's no perfect way to do it. Yep. I guess that's the, also the point is that it's not like a, it's not like a prize you get for being no. like a good ally or like a medal you get. Mm -hmm. It's just like continuous work. Um, it's so also, about, oh, sorry. No, yeah, we're just gonna talk about ways to, different ways to do that. That's right. And I think that like the ally stuff too is so important because it's about like what you're actively doing all of the time it's not about like landing somewhere and being like i made it i'm an ally so everything i've everything i do has an ally touch to it it's like you have to keep being and it's an active role you know yeah. it's not just something that you like land on so yeah your allyship can definitely um um go, run out or yeah you know? exactly <laughs> the credit in the bank the credit in the bank yeah. runs out real quick yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And I do think that, you know, some organizations and some celebrities, they like do it right. So I yeah, feel like that's a good, it's a good example, but like, 
for instance, um, the WNBA, you know, I'm going to talk about the WNBA. Yeah. I'm gay, girl. Come on. <laughs> but, but I love them too. I don't, I have not watched a WNBA game, I think since fifth grade. Oh my I God. I love these women. I love them. They're incredible. They're incredible. Right now they're playing in the bubble. I'm actually like turning into somewhat of a fan of like, oh my watch. I know, I know. I love it. I wish I could uh, watch with you. Oh, oh my God. I wish I could watch with you. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. Sue Bird for life. Anyway, so um, the WNBA has been really leading this movement of sports getting involved in the, I mean, like, you know, uh, the U.S. soccer team has been great about it. I know that women's yeah. soccer historically prior to all of this has been also super involved I think in this particular moment um yeah. based on opportunity the WBA has been you know they their whole season is dedicated to Breonna Taylor they have jerseys that have her name on it they are promoting um policies and politicians that are working towards racial justice they're just like really um outspoken in a way that is so refreshing to me yeah, I agree. I think the only, um, I mean, the NBA is also, yeah, you know, yeah, the boy, the boycott or what's it called? The strike, yes. I guess, not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's really cool. I do, I don't want to be negative, but I do kind of, I don't like how people, I've heard people say like the WNBA is following in the NBA's footsteps of like social. Haven't you seen that? It no, really I haven't, but it's not surprising. Hello, patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like not listening to black women forever. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, but anyway, that's just, I always got to put a little negativity in there sometimes. <laughs> um, and do my man hating, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it is really inspiring because also the, you told me this, that the NBA is turning arenas into voting centers. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. I think that's really cool. I, I absolutely agree. Like there's some of these things are, you know, it's, it's all, the system is everywhere and it's, it's multifaceted. So you have to have all of these different ways that you're addressing um, this. And I think that that sports is actually the MLB joining the boycott. Shocking uh, to yeah. me, the NHL, like so many of that, that was like all, I am not a sports nut, but all that, like all, was really inspiring to me yeah I mean I'm mostly not a sports nut because it I don't like well for lots of reasons but I don't connect it to these kinds of yes act, you know usually it's just like sports go on no matter, sports are the most important thing in America no, yeah. you know, no matter what the game well, the show must go on or whatever <laughs> yeah. the game must go on but um I mean finally this stuff is really happening more more it's more widespread and I I love that I agreed agreed and I think though, like when you're looking at that, so as an example of like effectiveness, I feel like, of course, it's like, okay, but what about us regular people? What about us yeah. people who are not, um, you know, have these bigger influential positions? And I think yeah. that, you know, for instance, like sharing on social media is super important, I think, um, mm-hmm. But it just can't like be it. It can't be the only thing that you're doing is like promoting things on social media. I do think it matters because people, more people are exposed and it continues to be on people's minds and like all of that. Yeah. It just can't be where you, where you stop. I agree. And I, I also think it's important um, because it show, at least this is what I felt as I become more, um, I've kind of changed my, my Instagram used to just be like 
just whatever kind of made me laugh or mm-hmm. just me laughing at myself, basically, like doing <laughs> funny things and being like, well, maybe Ashley will think this is funny. And, and I, I always do. I always <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it has felt good to, to kind of be more active and post more educational stuff. And um, it feels good. And it does feel, it does feel performative sometimes. But I think if you keep, I think that's the thing is like people, you kind of have, for, for me anyway, I, I kind of have to think, okay, I know that some people who follow me might think this is performative or that I've just like suddenly doing this, but I don't care, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, I don't think that matters as Mm-mm. much as just doing it and not, I don't want, I mean, it's not like I have that many followers, but I don't want someone to go to my Instagram and be like, oh, she doesn't care about Black Lives Yes, yes. Movement or any, I don't, I don't want that. So even, I mean, yeah, so I agree that it's really important and it takes, it takes practice. Like mm. don't, again, it like, you might not always post the right stuff or you might not, re- I've posted like emotional stuff on my stories and I'm like, oops, gotta mm-hmm. take that now. <laughs> <laughs> On second thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, but I, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I agree. I think that it like takes practice and the fact that it feels um, even bold sometimes is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, it means that you need to just keep doing it and normalize it. And I think that one thing I will say about social media, which I think everyone's on, I think everyone's aware of, but it's super important to not be sharing like videos of what has gone on with these police brutality and murder situations. Um, Not only do I think it like desensitizes kind of everybody, but it also is just further traumatization for communities are, are affected, especially black communities that are so actively affected by anti-blackness. You know, I think that um, nobody needs, I don't think we need to see the, we should not need to see the video to care. That's a major, major problem. And I think that we, um, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't even, oh God, I don't even know when I learned this. It wasn't that long ago, like within the last five years or so that I learned that um, there's this history of white people like loading up the kids, packing a picnic, and going to watch lynchings that happened um, of black bodies. That it was like a, that it was like a community entertainment um, event. I hate even saying that, that makes me wanna bark just like saying it that way, but that's exactly how white people treated it. And so I think we need to be aware of these, of this history and, and of what, longer story we're stepping into around some of these things. And so I just want to make sure, I think everybody's on board with that regardless, but I just want to make sure that we say that piece. I'm glad you said that because I, I mean, probably our listeners are like super informed and smart and cool and awesome. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, not everybody knows that actually. Yeah. That you should, they think it's a way of spreading, um, spreading Mm -hmm. awareness. Mm -hmm. But, and I guess another point is, when you talk about this, this just disgusting history of, of, you know, violence against black people being entertainment, um, that might seem really far, really long ago to people, but it just like, you guys, the United States of America 
was born yesterday. Okay. Yes. I'm not trying to act like I know so much because, oh, I'm European now. But when you talk about like the history of the United States yep. versus the history of other places and in other places where they really hold their history, they take their history seriously yes. and they consider it like, like everything built up to what the countries are today. Yes. The United States is not different. And the United States is like a teenager compared to yes. other places. And, and it just, it's not, I just feel like that's a kind of important to say because a lot of people would think that, oh, that was so long ago, that would never happen today. But I mean, there were lynchings this summer. Like there were people lynched, hung from yep. trees this yep. summer and everyone kind of just decided it was suicide. So yep. it's not the exact same thing, but I, I guess we do, I think it's really important to see that we're not that far off from- A hundred percent. So in terms of like what we can also be doing, um, when you and I were talking about it, which I liked, mm-hmm. is like framing, framing action as like something, like a habit that you wanna be building. Right. So like, um, when I'm like really good and I'm feeling like I'm doing the thing and I'm like, whatever, I'm like taking my supplements every day. I'm like maybe meditating even like, like this is, I know, uh, this be like an action can be so short and still meaningful that it can be something that you're doing every day. Like some days you're not going to get it. Some days you'll fall off and you have to just get back on and do something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really hard to, um, I mean, I have zero rituals. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just not, it's just, it's really hard to keep up a habit. Mm-hmm. I only have bad habits, you know, like <laughs> keeping up a good habit is really hard. It but is. When you think of it as like, okay, so if you make the goal to say, okay, I'm going to make an action a day, which is something we've talked about, mm-hmm. that's, that's hard. Like it is. But then when it doesn't happen, we don't, you know, we don't, I don't beat my, I try not to beat myself up mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I just, you know, you pick it up the next day. Yes. Like, like yes. And an action a day, I think can be, we're going to talk about a, a bunch of things, but it can be any type of action that leads to, that's either like public support or self-education. Yes. And so it doesn't have to be outward. It doesn't have to be, don't, you're not having to donate something every day or yes I don't know you don't you don't have to post on Instagram every day that's not that's not everybody's way but I think if it's something I I think if you also add um in those you know um like self-education elements Mm -hmm. it becomes um easier I don't know that's my absolutely I was reading um of course now I can't remember the the author um but I was reading about how the only antithesis to hopelessness is, is action mm-hmm. that like when you're feeling hopeless and you're like, Oh my God, this is so big. And then you don't do anything for it. That feeling like keeps going. That's but if so you're chipping true. away, if you're even seeing these like daily things as something like that, you can start to feel like your own power in some of this, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that one of the things that, um, for like a daily ritual, especially when these issues, like these specific circumstances come up, like calling and emailing once a day, calling and or emailing, like depending, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that being your goal, especially when we have, and we'll post um, resources. Calling, calling and emailing who? Calling and emailing like your, your um, who, the people that are identified as change, potential change makers in all these yeah. circumstances. So a lot of times it's like, the attorney general of the area, the DA, uh, the police department. uh, And also like, these are spaces where people are already doing the work for you. They're identifying who to call and email and what the script should be. It's literally just finding the people that are doing that work already. Um, So it's, it's like the most accessible thing and it might feel like a push. It might feel like you're pushing yourself to do it. And and that's good. I think that's important. Yeah, it is really hard. I mean, I, I guess one thing that's really, that I can just talk about it, that's really hard for me is making phone calls. I mean, getting, even getting a phone call from like, every time my phone rings, I practically have a panic attack, you know? And I know yes. I'm not alone. Like, I know that a lot of millennials are that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And so sometimes, yeah, sometimes I just have to email. But calling, yeah. like getting on my little my work, my work Skype account, and <laughs> yes, yes. making international phone calls. Yes. When, it, when you're done, really, you feel like you fucking did something. And it's not, yes. again, not to make your, it's really, it's hard because I guess it's hard to explain because you do feel like you did something and you feel proud of yourself, but you also feel like, I also feel like I, that really, what you just said, like you make, you make an action. So you, so you're, wor- you're getting out of that helplessness in a yes, way. Yes. That not, like cycle. Yeah. It's not to say, Oh, I did this. Like, no, it's like, if you know, you did that and it was hard for you, especially that's really cool. Exactly. I completely agree. And I think that it's like, um, it's, it doesn't have to feel bad in order for it to be effective. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it can be a side effect can be that you're like, I'm so glad I did that. I feel like I'm, I'm like actually living my values right now because I did this thing and it was hard. Mm-hmm. It's just like, if that's your only motivation, then it's obviously <laughs> a problem, but yeah. Um, but we will post, uh, so there's been a Google doc created for Jacob Blake specifically, um, for phone numbers and emails and, and there's scripts to call as well. So we'll make sure to post that so that everyone has access to it. Yeah. And I found stuff for, for Dion K I found, Perfect. yeah, we'll post everything. We'll, yeah. we'll put it in our descriptions. Perfect. Um, what uh, else can we do? Yeah. So that's a good question. I feel like for me, a lot of the focus I've had is on supporting black led organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of this work, we do not need to be reinventing any kind of system. Like there's so much already happening. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of black led organizations that really want your time in terms of text banking, phone calls, donating, emailing, sharing their information. Um, so those can be a, a huge piece of them. So two of them that I like to focus on is the movement for black lives. Um, they have a lot of actions that they outline for you to do and ways to help support them. And one of another organization that I've been involved in recently is black voters matter. So I think that like when we were talking about who to call and who to email, so attorney generals, DAs, judges, they're all locally elected. And I'm not here to say that voting is the only thing you can do, but voting is a huge piece of what you can do and being informed voters and getting the vote out. So um, Black Voters Black Voters Matter 
does an incredible job of organizing people, <clears throat> making sure that there's accessibility at polls, making sure that there's <clears throat> that people get to vote in the way that makes sense for them. So those are two that I personally um, keep track of and get involved with when I can. So we're mostly talking about like American organizations. Oh yeah. But they're, I guess that's my job, what I'll try and do. That's my homework maybe to look up more organizations Perfect. that we can donate to um, outside of if you're not an American, because yeah, I'll that do sounds that. good. Perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> so that's like a bigger black led organizations that you can support. And then there's like the local support for victims and protesters in the cities that this is happening in. We found it a little tricky sometimes to get the, mm -hmm. the information for places to donate. Um, but like, for example, Jacob Blake, there's a, there's a GoFundMe for Jacob Blake's medical bills, which we'll link to, of course. And then mm -hmm. there's the Milwaukee Freedom Fund, which is a, um, they're extending their support to Kenosha protesters who need help with bail and lawyers. It might take a little bit more work to find these, but I, a lot of it, I mean, I get most of my information from who I follow on Instagram. So yeah, totally. that also matters a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Another um, Black-led organization is Campaign Zero which is a campaign that does, um, they are, have strategic phases of holding police accountable and trying to do some reform around police accountability. So Campaign Zero's focus is on, right now it's called Nix the Six and it's six different um, elements in, that are common in police union contracts that continue this issue of no accountability for police officers. So I think that it's, it's a huge piece to working towards change um, that will be fundamental and long lasting. So like right now there's like so many uh, contracts that say like no layoffs at mm. all during this contract. Um, they'll, they'll have contracts that say like the number of officers has to increase every year. Mm. Uh, things that, yeah. you know, forbids hiring some contracts in Columbus, Ohio, there's a contract that forbids hiring civilians to do any work currently performed by police officers, unless the police union agrees first, just these, oh, there's wow. a lot that you can look into, but yeah, there's a lot of wow. awful policies in these, in these union contracts that, that continue the cycle of violence. And so right now um, you can actually go to Nix, N-I-X, the six dot uh, mm -hmm. org and um, get more information. But that's another Black-led organization that's doing a lot of work. Nice. Um, so what about when it comes to self-education, um, taking action through self-education? Yeah. What, what does that look like? Yeah, I feel like it's so important because, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, we are having such a hard time finding the right words, pushing ourselves to do this work. <clears throat> and there are plenty of people, specifically black women, who have been doing this work and trying to get us to push our anti-racism lens. So now is the right time to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. We can find these leaders to learn from and, and just like work on decol decolonizing what you consume generally, right? So yeah. especially with books. Um, I think, you know, you and I have been reading How to Be Less Stupid About Race, Oh, by Crystal so Fleming. Good. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. And it's so, she's just so smart that I feel like I take, I have to like read a chapter and then sit with it for a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause there's so about, much. Yeah. Totally. I'm only about halfway through and I've actually read, well, I do audiobooks cause I can't read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but I I've gone back and listened to a couple chapters again because it's it's just really impactful what yes. she says. Another one that's good uh, that I think is good at least is that I'm I'm still here by Austin Channing Brown. She does like such an incredible job of talking about her experience working in churches and white dominated area white dominated fields um, and what what the impact has had on her but also just generally what the assumptions are that white people have um when they're like i think it does a great job of highlighting like the violence of well-meaning white people you know mm. that like think that they're like doing the right thing but don't really examine what's underneath that i feel like yeah. it's a great job she does a great job what else we have oh me and white supremacy is a great one too that has like uh that's by Layla Saad um and it has like a journaling um, experiences in it too. It's a, it's like a 30 day challenge, I believe to kind of read and journal and reflect. And I, I feel like it's great. Cool. That's yeah. Really I know. Oh, yeah. also I just want to plug, sorry, I can't stop talking now. I just want to plug that when you're looking into these books, they might be available in the library, but think about just spending some damn money. Think about if you can, if it's yeah. If it's, if it's reasonable for you, think about giving these black leaders, these black women leaders, your money. And also I think like, while you're looking at buying these books, just take a minute to look at buying them from black owned bookstores. So a lot of the books that I've been getting have been from Harriet's bookshop. It's a shop in Philadelphia. It's not local for me, but, um, it's a bookshop owned and ran by black women. Yeah, I love that. That's, I mean, I started getting, I started using Libro.fm to get my audiobooks, and you can, you can choose a bookstore to where your money goes. So oh, cool. you buy all of them through this one app, Libro.fm, but your money actually goes to, so I've been, um, you choose in the beginning. So I chose a, also a, a black women owned uh, bookshop semicolon, yes. semicolon bookstore in, in Chicago and again I don't live there but it just it's like yeah why not and it also it just feels better to buy stuff yes than from any any and it's not hard like it's not and it's not more expensive it's no nope. mate well Amazon does have their you know all their sales to get you in there and get you <laughs> trapped and have their two dollar book sales or whatever but like I mean, do that if you have to, like, the, mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's important to read these books, no matter how you do it, but yeah, if you can. Just something to think about. Yeah. 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 Totally. <clears throat> um, yeah. Last week, you also talked about podcasts to mm -hmm. listen to, so you can, um, there's tons, but you know, we listed a few last week and in our, in, in our Instagram and in the, the, the episode description from last week. That's right. Um, another way that, I mean, I only recently got into a couple of newsletters. Yes. So just signing up for like, um, one that I, that I just started a couple of weeks ago was the, the anti-racism daily email. And you just, you can donate of course, and they have a Patreon mm -hmm. and stuff, mm -hmm. but, um, but you can also just get it for free and then donate, you know, when you have the chance. Like yeah. I, I tried to donate to like 
everywhere that I get information from at some point, even if it's $5 or something. Right. I right. I love um, that. Yeah. Um, but the, like the, the most recent, the daily, the anti-racism daily from today was about critical race theory, which is really timely given the bullshit coming from the white house. Yeah. So oh God. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really topical. It's mm-hmm. really, and it's like, they give you, they give you actions in there. And some of the actions are like thinking, reflecting, you know, yes. like thinking, asking questions, asking yourself questions. They give you places to, you know, take more action or donate or all of this, but they also just give you kind of questions to read about. I've, I started getting it. I started getting it sent to my work email because it's just like a good way to spend a little bit of time. Absolutely. And I think that it, the thing that I, cause we both signed up, I think around the same time, but, mm. um, or whatever, but, um, I love that it interrupts my, I have it in my personal email and I'm like, mm. I'm like clicking through all the garbage that I get from all of these other companies or something. And then I see it and I'm like, yes. And I click on it and it's like a quick lesson. And it just, even that like five minutes it takes to just read it and think through it matters. It interrupts the like whiteness of my day. You know I mean, what I mean? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I really, I'm really into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And then, then of course there's lots of, um, you know, movies and enter- entertainment, but also like since we're just t- sticking to like kind of more serious stuff today, like documentaries, which, you mm-hmm. know, have Netflix, they have, they have. Uh, 13th and mm-hmm. um, Time, the Khalif Browder story. They have mm-hmm. Strong Island. Um, this is all, I think Strong Island is on Netflix as well. Anyway, these are these are just three related to what we were talking about today, about um, just systemic bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and just like broadening your perspective on it. Yeah, thanks. absolutely. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. How many true. times have I said bullshit in this episode? Honestly, though, only appropriately. <laughs> uh, also, I think that there's a huge, um, you know, like these are all, this is all about like education and educating yourself. But I think that when you look at all the things that you consume, it's important to think about like how you can decolonize your entertainment, your social media feed, your like all of the things. Because often, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to go buy this thing from this place I always go to. And you don't stop and think like, oh, I wonder if a black person owns a business that's related to this. Or I wonder if like it, and, and that is a way of like breaking up the white supremacy of capitalism too. I mean, capitalism will still exist. That's not, but, um, what we reinforce with our money, basically, you know, I was, I think I, wasn't I telling you the other day that like my, my PT was telling me, um, that I need to do yoga. Who doesn't? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm always, I've always had this weird relationship with yoga where I go in and out of whether I like it or not. A lot of yeah. times it's really kind of boring to me. And it's always these like very skinny white ladies always. that I, you know, just don't really connect with at all. And, um, I was like, so she was telling me about these websites to go to. And I looked and I was like, Oh, I'm back to being like so bored with all this, like, these like perfect plants everywhere and this like calm, whatever. And then I found underbelly yoga, which is this woman. She's a fat black woman who is an incredible yogi and does like, she has an app that you can spend $10 a month and get all the yoga that you want from it. And she's 
hilarious and it's actually engaging in a way like she cusses in a way that's very accessible to me oh my god i love it yeah and she'll even just say things and she'll be like well i i do this pose with my legs this way because i like to make room for my belly you know just stuff that's like oh accepting god. and you know classic black woman leading the fucking body acceptance movement of course oh, but um good. anyway so like that was a way that it actually felt to me like not only am I giving money to a black woman's business, but I'm like actively benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so often the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also, I think it's necessary. I'm not sure if you had heard the, the term um, decolonizing your, your, timeline or your I mean I first heard that from Aminatou so so I would feel bad if I didn't mm -hmm. say that I would feel like I was stealing it from a black woman mm -hmm. but I love that's who I first heard talk about like decolonizing your timeline and just yeah like really mixing up everything you consume and and um she was talking mostly about like your your social media feed which mm -hmm. is huge um and yeah so I'm so anyway these are ways to decolonize uh, everything you consume. I like um, it. So just to wrap up this part, um, I just want to say a little something a little corny, which is just <laughs> that I'm, I'm just really thankful that we have this tiny little platform and a growing community of people to fight for things on this planet that actually matter. You know, every yes. day can just feel so pointless and hard and so many and overwhelming mm -hmm. but there's so much there's just so much to do but it feels better like doing it together and we yes just keep it up and keep motivating each other so thank you yes it's so like mutually beneficial i love it i know it's so good um okay girl we are ready for some tater tot time oh, yeah, i love tater tot time <laughs> i am going to take over this tater tot time i hope that that's cool with you oh fine with me so um this tater tot time will be more of my recollection and probably not yours as much because it impacted me a little bit differently mm -hmm. uh but we had it was, I think it was our sophomore year of college. We were home for Christmas, I believe. And we were going to meet up with one of our friends and she had some dumb boyfriend. So we were like at this boyfriend's apartment with all of his dumbass friends, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And we were not just generally just not impressed. And so I was there first and you came from seeing Brokeback Mountain. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember seeing that movie in the theater with my family, with my brothers and sisters, and us laughing because there was like old people that got really uncomfortable. But yeah, it was, I remember that actually. <laughs> yeah, so you came straight from Brokeback Mountain, and one, one guy that was there was like, um, what, were, what were you up to, or what, where'd you come from, or whatever, and you were like, oh, I just saw Brokeback Mountain. And they responded, as you might assume, just like so ignorantly. And were like, um, oh, I can't believe you would watch that. Like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and so my and God. the background yeah. of all of this, for my own personal background, is that I had just started dating a trans person. And I was very much like, what does this mean? I don't know what I 
identify with. I was like really struggling and you knew that, but like generally a lot of people didn't know because I wasn't really sure how I wanted to, you know, identify yeah. at the time. Anyway, so you're, you're getting all of this shit for see Brokeback Mountain and you like, you didn't even hesitate for a second, like not even a second. You literally just go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good with words. It's so good. But I just know that that you didn't do it because I was there, but I just want to yeah. say that that really made an impact on me and my oh tiny my little... I was just like a baby queer at the time. And I'm just saying, if we're talking about effective allyship, girl. Nice to know. If I ever helped you in any way ever in my entire life, that's all I ever, that's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you did. <laughs> Multiple I'm times. Remember. I'm glad yeah. you remember that because I don't, because I don't at all. I remember and I that. Think I remember it because it was so counterculture to what we were typically experiencing there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, I knew how we stood. I knew what we thought, but like having you be the one that was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm not here for any of this was just, yeah. it was just really helpful for me. So that's oh my all. God. I love that. I love that. I did that. <laughs> I don't always, because when I think back, I, I don't always think of myself that way, you know, but. Oh, of course I do that too. Yeah, well, you made a difference. Aww, thanks, That's Ashley. All. Yeah, of course, duh. Aww. Okay, so I guess it brings us to the end of quite possibly a very long episode. But, <laughs> but I think it's great. I love this episode. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I just love it. So, um, okay, so I guess that wraps it up. Yeah. Um, and I want to remind people, uh, we haven't been getting so many emails but we know email is like old school of course but it we it it really it really <laughs> would be fun if you yeah if you um again if you share donate give time or email people or make phone calls or any of these actions we've been talking about send us the receipts on instagram or via email mm -hmm. and you too can get a highly sought after prize. Seriously, mm -hmm. you're gonna freak out. Um, and so yeah, our Instagram is mashed potatoes pod, and our email is mashed potatoes pod at gmail.com. And you can also please email questions, concerns. <laughs> Like about our well-being, for instance. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, if you if you hear me getting dark, be like. <laughs> Yo, you okay over there? Um, no, but questions, comments, like also topics you want us to talk about because we do, we have like endless topics, but we also really are into um, everybody's feedback. Of course. Yeah. We want to know what you guys want to hear about, what you want to hear our thoughts about. Yes. And thanks again. I can't thank the, we can't thank the Amy's enough for our Oh my God. And don't forget to follow the Free Witch Quarterly for just great content on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I guess that's about it. Man, I guess if that's it after this long-ass episode. Later, taters. Yeah! Mashed potatoes are here to see you through. Mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. I'm learning, unraveling, dismantling, action now.